Hello there. I don't think there's any warnings required this episode. It's all lovely, wholesome and clean. And that's because Dougie is a lovely, wholesome and clean... He's a proper, honest Yorkshire man. So none of the usual bullshit. Hello and welcome back to Gas It Out. Uh, we are recording this before we've even put the Sam Lowe's episode uh, out there. So hope you're enjoying that one. Uh, we've got another fantastic guest coming for you today. Uh, Neil is uh, currently... Uh, Neil, where are you? You sound like you've been having a bit of an argument there with um, Vic. What, what's been going on? She, she's not happy. Well, it's Saturday morning. Obviously, I never tell her what I'm doing. So my phone's on silence. I've just seen that it was you, obviously, Skype call. So... Just, just trying to explain that she needs to leave the office. You know, she's sat in bed next to me, but you know, this is my office. This is where I do the podcast. Just from. do normal people's offices have duvets in them? No, but mine. Honestly, the, the <laughs> that's, magic, that's for that sound. Happened. That was for sound. That's because it's a proper sound def- deadening. Yeah, yeah you exactly. wouldn't have a duvet but otherwise the, in there, would you? They have the magic that's happened in this office. Oh God! You, you would not no, believe. No, 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 we stop there. We, we do, please stop. <laughs> These stop walls right there. Talk. Uh, what have you been up to, anyway? Well, <laughs> it's always a funny question, isn't it? Yeah. You go, well, I've been up to uh, um, <laughs> a lot of nothing. Like I said, getting into cooking, you know, having a go at that. Easy, by the way, easy. Didn't, I, I can't believe all, yeah. the, all these years, you know, Vic has made this a song and dance about, you know, <laughs> oh, I cook everything and, you know. It's so easy. Like this morning, the sausages, you just put them in a pan. Let's turn the pan up, full blast, a little bit of oil. That said, I'll tell you what, like the kitchen's destroyed now, but it's just fast <laughs> spread everywhere. But do you know what I mean? It's, it's pretty like, easy, isn't it? It's like yeah, wading through treacle, going through the clouds as yeah. you go through but it's, there. it's overrated. Cooking is overrated. Simple. Absolutely simple. Just, just throw, it, throw it in a pan. Can't all these wait. people have made millions doing cook, cooking, cooking programmes. Jamie Oliver and all them idiots. Unbelievable. Never know not like it. It's simple. Who's the who's the latest one who's uh, come up with a cooking program? There's someone at the moment who's done like a lockdown one. Oh, God knows. Is it? Oh, I'm not that, too sure. Uh, Is it some celebrity? Maybe Joe Wicks. Your mate Joe Wicks. Oh, don't, don't. Yeah, well, Joe Wicks will he'll, he'll come up come up with one. Oh, and it'll be like I've got a revelation actually. Go on. You remember we talked about Joe Wicks, didn't we? Before was yeah. it Scott Redding podcast or I can't remember which one it was. Um, Kate paid the £120 too. Oh my God. But I didn't know. Isn't that incredible then? It's like literally everybody I know's partner has paid Joe Wicks £120 to see them in their underwear. But then, then I, I said, explain it to me. She goes, well, it wasn't directly to him, was it? It was to his team. And I'm like, well, that's worse, isn't it? That's worse. Oh my God. <laughs> that, it, it is incredible, isn't it? Like, oh, oh, can you hear me? Are you off to the loo? No, I'm just I'm filling up my glass of water. Are you sure? <laughs> I would not do a wee on a live... Well, it's not live. Well, well, you would, but you would. Well, I have done one already, actually. As long as it's not... just number ones. Yeah, yeah, just sit down. Hang on. <laughs> oh. Joe Wakeso, what a genius. It is... Can you imagine, though, that business meeting, sat on a table, hey, no, listen, listen... I want you to invest. I've got this, uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a cunning plan. It's going to be really good, right? 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to charge women to send them pictures of themselves in their underwear to me. Oh, what, what would you charge them? You, you know, I'm going to give them a diet plan. Yeah, but what would you charge them? £20, £25? Oh, I was about £130. Is that what it was? It was about that, wasn't it? Yeah, somewhere it? around there, yeah. That, a nice round figure of about £130. Yeah, but surely no one, no women will be that stupid. Give over. Because there's diets everywhere. You can go online. Anyone can get diet advice. No, 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 no. This is, this is going to work. Didier, multi-millionaire. Well, does me head in. And you're not, you're not riled up at all about it, are you? You're very calm no, about it's it. No, just, it's just annoying, isn't it, though? It's just annoying. It is annoying. I sound like uh, that, that guy moans of... Victor Meldrew. Uh, no, not him. What's the other one? The other one that you don't like. Greg Wallace. No. Why do you not like Greg Wallace? Did you watch it? Did you watch it? MasterChef final. I can't. I've told you I can't watch the program. Oh, I can't watch he's, it. He's my favourite presenter. Love Greg Wallace. Yeah, well. Just seems like a nice guy. Mm. And I've got his phone number in my phone. Yes. It's mm. one of. The, he's like my most famous person. I know. Really? Yeah. Like you know, that's one of the questions. In fact, I'm going to have that. I'm going to put that in for question for Doug on the quick fire round. Right. Who's the most famous person you've got in your phone? You might say me. You never know. <coughs> Doubt it. Doubt I do, it. I do make notes, by the way. We've got um, a more requests for um, Chris Walker to uh, come on as well. Just that tumbleweed at the bottom of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love... We will get Chris on. Chris will be brilliant. Yeah. We will Chris have will to do it. We'll get him on soon. Let's get him on soon. Did you see the photo we had in the greatest race the other day? Oh, the Easter one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you know what you you ought to met you ought to met his uh, daughter Rosie. She yeah. is, she is a little star. Do you know when when a kid's you, you, you say a when, character? Oh, yeah. A character like oh he's been here before. She's been here before. You know when they, they just know everything, but not in a cocky way. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Just in she it. is an absolute star. She is. She made me laugh, and she's got a dad, totally like sussed out. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, no, superb. Do you know what I just thought back, actually, uh, about what? this podcast, Neil? Um, we've mm. been doing it for less than a month now. In fact, our first podcast out went, went out. I can't remember this. I can't remember it. It's, it seems like years ago, but it went out on the first day of lockdown. Bloody hell, did it? On, on March the 23rd was the day we put up Jake Dixon, our first one, which I still think is really good. Um, got loads of good feedback. I have to say thank you for everybody who's uh, given us feedback on Scott Redding. We agree he was he was great. We didn't have to say anything. That was the beauty of it. He, didn't he get... blew us away, didn't he? It was one of them conversations where when we finished and we, we, we chatted about it, we were like, bloody hell. That was not what I expected at all. Mm. It, 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 it was stunning. I, I love it when you get someone who doesn't care you know what I mean? And he's, he's been, Scott has been through the mill, hasn't he? You know, and now he believes in himself. He's on the right track. He's, you know, he's going to fight for a world title. That's, that's for sure. But it's like, I just don't care. You either like me or you don't. I'm not going to kiss ass. They were brilliant. Yeah, so uh, we do appreciate all those lovely comments. But again, we will point out it was Scott who made that, not us, because we just had to sit there and listen. Uh, but also uh, keep liking and keep uh, subscribing as well because it, it 
helps us all the time. We've got back into the top 10 of the sports podcasts on Apple. And every time that just helps us. It means more people can listen, which means we get better guests and so on and so forth. And we have better conversations and so on. I've just had a word with Jack Miller uh, this morning and he's going to come on. He said that he'll definitely uh, come on the podcast to join us. Uh, and Cal Crutcher as well, I've had a word with him. So we we, uh, we are going to get these people. We don't want to find more like you at once because I've had a couple of people say to me, there's too many coming thick and fast. Well, here's another one uh, coming for you now. Uh, we've already had uh, Sam Lowe's and uh, now we've got... Neil, let's not make any bones about this, right? Uh, trial world champion, not not just once, not ju- not the twice, twelve times uh, a trial world champion uh, that's joining us right now. He is Mister Trial. He's an absolute legend. His family is the, uh, the are the legends of it. It's and I think actually uh, he's been recognised by the Queen for his services as well uh, to to motorcycling, but but. I think they do embody the whole of what trial is. And is it? am I right in saying that as a road racer or a circuit racer, uh, Neil, that trial is one of those disciplines that you all look at and go, yeah, I couldn't do that? It's weird, yeah, because normally if it's two wheels and you've managed to become a professional motorcycle racer, you think you can do it. So you can jump on a motocross bike, you can look half decent, you can... Anything really with with wheels, but you get on a trials bike and it's like everything you know and understand about riding a motorcycle, it's the opposite. It's so technical, so difficult. I've bought, I've had about five or six trials bikes throughout my career, always forgetting how crap I am on them. And I'm like delusionally thinking I'll just get another one and I'll just all of a sudden be able to do it. And it's so difficult. Me Me and Doug go back a long way. We're very good friends. I've ridden with him so many times, and it's the most frustrating thing. The problem is, if you go riding a trials bike with Dougie Lampkin, it's the worst thing you can do for your trials career. Oh, I can imagine that'd be impossible. It, it just puts you, it puts you off because I'd be with him and I'd go, "Oh, make me a section." So he'd just do this really basic-looking figure of eight round a tree, and whilst he's talking, just going, "Oh, well, just come up here and just turn around here and then just do that." Oh, okay, that looks pretty easy. And a hundred times later, I've still not, I've not cleaned it, as in, I've not done it without putting my feet down. And it's just, it does my head in. I then want to throw my bike in the back of the van and go home like a big child, you know. So, no, it's, it's something else. He's got so much, so much talent. And you won't meet a nicer guy. He's just, he's, he's the most normal, down-to-earth legend oh, yeah. you could ever meet, isn't do, it? Do you know why, though? Do you know why, Neil? Because he's from... I know the, you're going to say, because from Yorkshire. He's from the right side of the Pennines. Right side of Phil. How do you know somebody's from Yorkshire, Neil? Go on. Because they've already told you. it's usually the first thing any of us say hey but dougie's that nice and normal he doesn't he doesn't say it do you know what i mean he's not he's not constantly going on you know well he probably will do now Uh, right yeah we are talking of course about dougie lampkin you know you're going to be hearing from mbe and we'll talk to him right now There's only one Dougie Lampkin. Dougie Lampkin, join. Now then. Now then, Doug, how are you doing? Oh, what? Is what it working? Ter- it's what, working, what is and it sounds so clear. It's, I mean, what, 
terrible accent. That horrible Yorkshire twang. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We live on oh. right side at Hill, remember? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Bloody hell. I told you this so. This is going to be the longest hour of my life talking <laughs> to two Yorkshire cretins. Oh, my God. And you know what? I've known you both a long time, and I'm yet to receive a drink off you. Never. Flipping hell, I've heard it all now. Oh, dear. Never. Short memory as usual. Uh, surrounded by moths any time he opens his wallet. You know I mean? I'm trying to find a quiet place in our house. Why is it, uh, is it rammed? Oh, it's chaos, isn't it? It always is. Chaos. There's always something going on. How are you doing anyway, Doug? Yeah. Are you all right? How are you, lads? All yet. right? Is it a pretty good signal? Got you loud and clear. Oh, bloody hell. We've been giving you the big ups, Dougie. Dougie Lampkin, MBE, of course, and going through all the plethora of titles and championships, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but it doesn't do too much for you when you're in lockdown. How are you, how are you dealing with it all? Uh, I think it's, well, it's obviously so strange for everybody. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we've just got to play by the rules, haven't we? And and stay safe and, uh, you know, wait for the moment to pass. It's just had such a massive input, impact in all the um, sports and everything that, you know, I can't quite believe that, you know, everyone's worked so hard to get ready for the start of the season in whatever sport they've done. And all of a sudden, it's like the year seems to be wiped out and you can't really train towards anything because there's no real set dates, there's no real set plans. So, yeah, awkward, really. And so, what, what, we, what, what, what are your plans at the moment? Obviously... Um, you're still doing stuff here and there. I mean, not competing like in the World Championships anymore, but you're still keeping busy, aren't you, all the time? Yeah, I still go to all the championships as team manager with uh, with the Vertigo team that I've been for nearly six years now. Um, and I love that because you're still part of the paddock. Um, you're still doing, you know, quite a bit of travelling and, and things like that. But, yeah, my main stuff is things with Red Bull and my own sort of events and and shows and things that have sort of seemed to carry on. Um, I obviously tried going into a bit of extreme enduro quite a few years ago and done so many things with Red Bull and still have projects planned for this year and for next. And I've, I'm in my 21st year with Red Bull now. So, uh, yeah, still riding quite a lot, but obviously a lot less of the training, which is the, the bit that uh, sort of grinds you down. I, I, interesting, yeah. You mentioned like the Enduro across the endu extreme Enduro and all that. Um, because I, one of the things that myself and Neil were saying before is how much respect all the trial riders always got from any of the other disciplines of motorcycle riding. But it is completely different. So I wonder for you, and I know you were born into trial, you know, from your from your father, from your uncle, and it, you know, you are the dynasty of trial. You are trial in this country without a doubt. <laughs> but was there ever a consideration about going into other disciplines, whether it be motocross or whether it be riding on the road no not at all really um i mean as we'll probably move on to in a bit uh, i used to ride quite a bit of motocross with neil and i don't think there was any uh chances of me uh changing disciplines into that <laughs> uh whereas the extreme enduro to be honest in the beginning was probably too hard and it wasn't because it was such a new sport there wasn't really any dedicated riders and it seemed to suit the trials riders you know, going pretty slow on on not not the best bike for that sort of terrain. So um, yeah, I was pretty successful for that in the first two or three years. But I was never sort of switching. It was just something that I was doing. I was enjoying it. It was nice not to have the pressure really of riding. And it was coming at a time where I was dropping off a little bit as well. So 
yeah, I really enjoyed them times, but you know, the job was moving on and I wasn't. I wonder, Neil, for yourself as well, uh, I'll ask it to both of you about that life after competing. We've just talked about, we've talked to a couple of riders already who are, who are obviously downing tools at the moment. And we spoke to Scott Redding. He was clearly known what it's like to, to not be racing, not be taking part in competition anymore. Life after competing, it's not easy, is it, to make that final cutoff? No, you, you, what you've got to do is exactly what Doug's done is you've got to fill your boots. You've got to say yes to a lot of projects and things and keep busy because as a professional racer and, and Doug's, Doug's career was different because it was even harder because they had the outdoor world championship that ran throughout summer, basically. Then the indoor championship that ran all through winter. So I'd show Doug my racing calendar at the start of the season and he'd go, Bloody hell, lad, you're part-time. And he'd show me his. And literally, there, there were times we'd sit down having a brew and he'd go, look, it'd be, it'd be January. And he'd go, so the next weekend I've got off is July the 12th, that weekend. And then there's one in October. And it, it was like, but like literally, it was that busy. So where I'm going with this is when you've been used to being so busy, nonstop and training, traveling, everything that goes with it, when that comes to an end, that's what's difficult for sportsmen. But I think that's where Doug's been done well, obviously, because with his career, we sort of, you've tapered it off, haven't you, Doug, as well? You still have been doing the, the Scots and the Scottish and all that sort of stuff. So it's not like you just stop riding or competing altogether. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, like you said, you've been, you've been talking to quite a few riders and I've listened to a few of those and everything. Oh, good and, on you. You know, it's... It's uh, well, yeah, obviously, uh, well, must have been, I, I knew, must have been I knew a, a few of Don McGuinness's stories, but <laughs> crikey, you could have him on every week and we oh, wouldn't yeah. run out of gear, would we? Really, it's priceless, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's I don't know really. I've I've always been always been busy with riding, that's the thing. We're lucky we don't need a track, so I was always riding, you know. When we lived in the Isle of Man, I'd be going out on the trials bike, Neil would be going to the gym, then we'd catch up later, and and we were just riding all the time. I mean, in, in sort of my glory days with Honda sort of a oh, 2000 or one or two time i was doing 36 indoors um spanish championship world championship and world indoor championship so i was over 50 events a year easily Incredible. and uh yeah four four indoors on one weekend's a record two different bikes a van a few flights and yeah i don't think i rode very well after the first couple to be honest but Bit of Yorkshire greed kept in, and when they said oh, you want to ride, God, and right. my, my hand kept coming up. I thought I, I'd I, get it I, in before. I, 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 I was going to say it's so funny, right? And Doug would say to me, he'd, he'd be having a moan to me, like he'd, we'd be back on the Isle of Man, and he'd go, "Bloody hell, I've got this coming up!" And I'm, like I say, I'm doing all these events, and I go, well, "You don't have to do them all." And he'll go, "Hey, listen, I get three grand start money on that one, and this and that, and yeah." And I'm like, "Oh, fair point, then." You know what I mean? Because I'd have been exactly the same. You know what I'm like? I kind of been travelling around, so but like you, you should. You'd finish an event, wouldn't you? And you'd drive through the night to get to the next event. That was that was just a your average weekend for you, wasn't it? Yeah, and and it was like that since I was seventeen. You know, like I've said to a few people, you know, in this lockdown and everything, I've been at home for five weeks now. I don't think I've been at home for this long since I was sixteen years old, and I'm actually quite enjoying it, but also missing what I've been doing. So it just sort of still make you realise that you you do you do enjoy what you do, whereas you know, I, I was surprised actually at you, Neil. I thought I knew you better when you were saying with John that you didn't really enjoy your riding quite a bit at times and things like that. But I never really had that thing. I really miss that moment in the morning when you wake up 
and you're getting ready for the event and you're in the paddock and you can see everybody's nervous. And I just thought I, I was like scoring goals already, really, because I was like giddy for that. That first bit before you get starting and roll off the start ramp, that was sort of my favourite time. And that's the thing that I can't replace. That's why I still ride the Scotty Six Days and the Scott Trial and a few other events, because I still need that that buzz before the event starts. Once it starts, I'm not bothered believe it or not but just that that bit in the morning getting ready yeah, the prep that's weird that's so weird but I'm, I'm laughing listening to you say it and i'm thinking yeah no bloody wonder you like that part because everybody else well they were shitting themselves they're going, <laughs> oh no doug's here doug's turned up we don't stand a chance it because... was different for me mate i'd turn up and it'd be like i was nervous thinking oh god if i can get a podium this weekend i'll be so happy you know but like, I'll you tell you what, this... when you came home in Alaman, you were a miserable bugger if you didn't get a podium as well, weren't oh, you? I know, I know. Well, you know what I was like? I was a stress head with that side of things. But Bloody that's where hell, fire. We, we were so lucky, or I was so lucky, I should say, to have you on the Isle of Man as like my best mate. So when I came home from an event and I was stressed because it had not gone according to plan, which obviously happened more often than not, <laughs> I'd got my mate there who understood. And because Doug didn't work, you know, like, it's not like he's working nine to five. We'd spend the day together, or like like you said, you go out on your trials bike in the morning, I go to the gym, then we'd meet at the bullshit cafe. That's what we used to call oh, it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Coffee we, and cake. Where you write the write the wrongs of the world. Exactly. Yeah. Coffee and cake. Doug would have a latte and I'd have a cappuccino and yeah, we'd have like, You had I'd two have... sugars, I had a bit of carrot cake and you'd have a smaller piece of something. But I used to just go for the biggest piece of whatever were in there. <laughs> exactly. I was always watching my way and Doug was like, Whoa, what 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 are you messing around with that? And if you could have recorded some of them conversations, God, we didn't put the world to right. And that was yeah, us for like, we how many years did we do that? Did, would you say five years, maybe? Four, yeah, something like that. And then we'd go up mountain bikes, but I I were, I were already tired by then. So I know they slot. They probably won't know that I know, but we were riding on mountain bikes and we'd get back to the thing. And I knew that they carried on and did a proper ride. I was just a warm-up ride. <laughs> so I stopped and parked up and Neil were doing a bit more. But Yeah, but... The thing also, what, what was different with Doug's sport is, and you, you sort of touched on it, you didn't need a race circuit. So Doug could literally, he'd get up in the morning, put his trials bike in the back of his van, go to a like dune quarry, which is this quarry near where we'd live. And he, he could practice. But as a road race guy, you can't. So what all road race riders, or the majority, end up overtraining because there's nothing to do. And you're paranoid, so you end up, going mountain biking, then doing to some weights, and you end up doing all these things, you know, like you end up where you've probably trained five or six hours in a day. You don't, you probably don't need to, but you can't replicate what you do on the track, so. But it's fine margins as well. With what we're dealing with now at the Grand Prix level, you know, you know, an extra 500 grams, however minuscule it sounds, if it's going to offer you a thousandth of a second, you're going to take it, aren't you? And if it's all you can control, and you talked about control a little bit with Scott Redding, about, you know, controlling the things you can do things about, and that's why you, you overtrain. And Doug, I, I want to ask about um, trial itself because, and, and you having grew, grown up on it, obviously we mentioned your, your father and your uncle, but you enter for a generation of Brits, you entered the public consciousness for, uh, being a kid on Junior Kickstart. That's where a generation of this country uh, learned about motorcycle riding, really. And trials was, wasn't it, Neil? For me, it was. I know uh, watching it as a. As a kid, that was where you, you saw motorcycles or you, you became familiar with it most. It's probably different for you, Neil, living a, a, a bit around it. But what was that like for you, Doug, to then go in and obviously it became, it became your life even more, if that makes sense. 
Well, yeah, and I mean, Kickstart was so big back in the day. I, I'm pretty sure it's still the largest TV audience for a kids' programme. Really? Um, I'm not surprised. And, yeah. no, and to be Everybody honest, when I it. see people who don't know what Trials is, because obviously we're not a massive sport, you sort of look at their age and if you think, well, it looks about similar age to me. Well, I just, Do you remember Kickstart? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember Kickstart. <laughs> and that's it. Well, that's my sport. And that's how you can get round it. And it, yeah, oh, it was massive. And obviously, when you were at school and you were just about to come on the telly, you were like cool kid for a bit. You I know, it didn't matter how bad your hair must have been or anything like that. Because but. I remember watching it and thinking, how cool are them? I want one. I've got to have one of those. Yeah. I was only ever allowed a push bike. I was never allowed anything uh, like that. But we'd still try and do what we were doing on on push bikes. I don't know how we thought we were going to ever manage any of it. Yeah. But we would. Hey, but Gav, Gav, but you you probably don't know this. By the way, I'm a massive Graham Jarvis fan. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> Graham Jarvis was the man, was the kid, yeah. was the boy on yeah, doing yeah. Kickstart. And Doug uh, was a bit, you were a bit out, wasn't you? I, I never, I never beat Graham Jarvis in juniors. Not one time throughout all our junior career. How I never beat him. That? He's yeah. been doing, From 12 he's been doing to some Twitter 12 videos. 12 16. Recently is Graham Jarvis around the house. So I want to see some of yours, Doug, soon. But um, yeah, Graham Jarvis is hey, one me... of those names, isn't it? And there was uh, Steve Colley as well. Was it? Was that? Was that? Was that into yeah. trials days then? Yeah, that's yeah, a... yeah. Steve Colley, and he lived in the Isle of Man as well. So I used to ride a lot with him um, back there. He's still doing a few trial shows and everything, and still, you know, still riding a little bit. And yeah, we were we were all sort of in that. You know, there's loads of us that. Um, Hey, we listen, sort of catch up now and again. Not not to name drop, but it, it, I've got to say this because it is a funny story. I know just what you're going to say when we're in Spain. <laughs> yeah, Robbie Williams. Yeah, like imagine. I this. thought I'm not going to blow my own trumpet yeah. here. I'll let you have a go at that, Neil. <laughs> no, but you, you can have I'm, that one. I'm going to make I'm going to make a uh, couple of things here, uh, Neil, because he's a pal of yours as well, isn't he, Robbie? Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> this is when we first like going. You what? But this is when we first met him, me and Doug. It was so yeah. funny, right? So I'll do it. I'll do the story really quick. Basically, Robbie Williams got into watching World Superbikes. Random, I know. And I was doing well at the time. And it's a long story, but I'll, I'll really fast forward it. He ended up getting in touch with us and basically saying, he's a big fan. If you want to come to a concert, why don't you? So Doug lived out in Spain at the time. Or I had a place out in Spain. So Doug said, hey, there's, one on a, there's a concert on in Barcelona. Why don't we go to that one? I'm like, yeah, mega. So we got in touch, got the tickets. Bear in mind, I'd not met him. This full VIP. We're going to meet Robbie Williams. I was a massive fan. At the time, he was he was like the man, wasn't he, back in the day? Oh, yeah. A- anyway, so we turn up. But at the time, my ex-wife was always late. She still is, but that's another story altogether. <laughs> so she, she faffed about. And she got, like, again, to cut a long story, we ended up turning up slightly late. So we got... We missed a chance to meet him because we were supposed to go backstage before the gig. So I was livid. I was like, I can't believe it. You know, typical my ex. But anyway, I, I, <laughs> I could do a full podcast on it. No, no. Right. So I was not happy. But anyway. So anyway, we, we, we ends up in these VIP seats and we're near the stage and the concert was amazing. All football team and everything in there, Gav. You know what I mean? We oh, were last at party. We were definitely last there at Palace and Jordi, yeah. Yeah. Carry so on, we, Neil. So... So, concert's great, and then like this, our like contact guy comes over and goes, look, if you want to meet him then, what you can do, you can meet him after the show, do you want to do that? We're like, yeah, of course, we, we want to meet him, obviously. So, they then say, right, um, what we've got to do is, we've got to go to a different hotel, we're going to leave the stadium, then go to this hotel, it's here, just go, go to this hotel. So, we're like, all right, this is weird. 
Anyway, hotel so darts. Just... I thought you'd remember which hotel it was, Neil. Hotel oh, darts. Thought, which is the fanciest so... hotel in Barcelona on the seafront, I'll point out. Yeah, apart is it? from oh, we right. couldn't get near it because there were about 14,000 women outside it. <laughs> yeah, well, they knew I was coming. So, anyway, that way. So, so, anyway, we turn up and we're like, oh, did, And then we're upstairs and... Then we end up in like this, like almost like a conference room and there's a buffet out. And what basically happens is all the staff, people involved in the concert, go there after to have a bit of a cool down. So we feel well awkward. There's me, my ex, Doug, Doug and Doug's wife, Nicola. So we, we sit down on our own like table and someone comes over and says, if you want to get some food, get some food. So obviously we're, we're all starving and it's free. So we're, we're, up, we're up at the buffet. Anyway, next thing, bloody Ellie walks in, Robbie Williams. And we all literally, there's no point in lying, we all shit ourselves. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You, you can't play, you know, it's like, bloody hell, we've just watched him on stage and here he is. Next thing, he comes walking over. Oh, my God, I can feel the sweat running down my back. He's, uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Rob. Nice to meet you, Neil. And I'm like, I'm sat down, I don't even stand up, don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like, my God, Robbie Williams, <laughs> you're welcome. And then I went, oh, this is Doug, Dougie Lampkin is a, really good friend of mine he's um he's a trials rider he went oh oh kickstart and then he just he, he, he starts going like he got the handlebars in his hand brilliant and he loved it anyway he then walked off to get some food and i thought well do you know what that'll do for me like sound blog came over made us feel welcome Gets his food, comes back and sits on our table and yeah. talks about Kickstart all all night long. Oh, Just... bloody hell! We went to every episode of the damn program, didn't we? Brilliant. Honestly, it was it was the most bizarre, surreal moment. Me and Doug were just like, and by the end of the night, it was just. It was Rob. He wasn't Robbie, oh, then, it was, was great. it? He, he was oh, just it was a really nice guy, wasn't it? He couldn't have been sounder. So, top lad. Absolutely. You like that, that is... story? You see how long he took over it, Gav? Yeah, I mean, that's the short he one. likes that tape. I mean, he dies hey, out on that. that is a short one. <laughs> that's a short one. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good story, though. I have had an on. hour on that in the past. You managed <laughs> to condense say, it extend, into 25 minutes. Podcast. Uh, that was the edited version, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's been talking for 25 minutes. <laughs> hey, but the one thing, actually, you mentioned Palau San Jordi and in Spain. Trial's massive, isn't it? Like, I mean... I'm not, I'm not saying it's MotoGP levels, but uh, Tony Bow and your Adam Ragas and your Cabestans, and Car- they're, they're not household names, but it's huge, isn't it, in Spain? Like most things motorcycle are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but to be honest, it, it was before that. I mean, I've heard about it with a few people, you know, a few individual riders in mountain biking that made the difference in downhill mountain biking stuff. And we had that in trials when Jordi Taras was, you yeah. know, top dog. We had everything. There was cigarette sponsorship. There was all your soft drinks. There was your banks, insurance companies. We had everything. And that's when we were riding in Spain every single weekend. You know, they're doing 36 indoors a year in Spain. I bet 20 odd of them were in Spain. Um, and it was massive. And I was on that sort of roller coaster, you know, where we were traveling all together in between the, the towns to ride each night, you know, pretty much most weekends. And and that's the time when um, when obviously I was living in Spain. As well as you, well, Gav. I might as well ask you. Have you still got your house? I ask you every single time. Yeah, I yeah. See I've, you. Still, I've still got. The oh house my Spain. god, you yeah. can't have, have you? Yeah, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> we should just have a little. Does anybody need to buy an house in Spain? <laughs> Gav's got a really nice spot. 
Uh, yeah. His uh, most famous claim to fame is that Casey Stoner lived on driveway for months in a caravan. What else, Gav? What else are we selling points have we got, got Still on got it? bits of his kit in the, in our downstairs, uh, in the garage downstairs. In that garage, yeah, I remember it in yeah. there. Oh, God, have we still got it? Oh, we've got Taylor too there. We haven't got long enough to get into all that. No, no, but but yeah, I, I mean, in Spain, I, and actually, just going on to, to Spain and Tony Bow, I mentioned, when, when you yeah. won your 12, I remember thinking, well, <laughs> no one's going to beat that, because that's what you think, don't you? Someone goes on and wins seven in a row. How do they thinking, yeah, well, that's not going to be beaten. But Tony Bow's come out now, and he's completely dominating. What do you make of him? Oh, yeah, no, it's unbelievable. I mean, I was, you know, everything was going really well. I was signed for Honda, I'd won the championships, and then... Sort of Fuji pinched the last one off me on the on the two straw, which he, he'll I say, can't really he'll say that you pinched about. the other seven off him. That's his line, isn't it? Uh, he calls me seven times lucky. We, we, we're great. We're absolutely great friends, really. And you know, we only had a few bust ups. It was I broke the tape in Japan in one section, and uh, and he ran up and started waving it so observer could see it. And uh, at the next section, I pinned him up against the tree by his scruff <laughs> of his neck. And uh, yeah, the Japs were trying to pull me off him. HRC were trying to pull me off him, but I could have strangled him. Uh, but we only had a couple of busts up in all that time. We are really good friends. I mean, he's still hitting podiums, which is I mean, absolutely he's still, he's ridiculous. Still, he's still riding, isn't he? Still competing. Oh, it's madness. It's madness. We've had some like really long chats about, you know, that conversation that you mentioned right at the beginning, you know, when do you stop? And I was like, Oh God, you know, when you're stopping, you know, overnight, there's none of this. I'm going to ride next year and, you know, prepare for the finish and what have you. It just hits you like, right, I've had enough. And that's, and he hasn't, you know, he comes home and still does. How old is he then? K on a Monday. He's yeah, 30, how old is he? 39. No, he's 40 now. Is it? Is he's a Fujinami for those who don't know Fuji Gas as he's known in in the the trial world and Doug's teammate for years. I always likened it a bit like a Crivier to the Doing. Yes, because you're in the same colours as well by the end. Yeah, yeah. No, we were so we so we were uh, you know all the team. I uh, were absolutely fantastic times you know riding with Honda and all that. But and and then that's when Tony Bowter tipped up and he was he was riding for Beater and. He won northwest of Spain somewhere near near Vigo, and uh, when I say he won, I mean like literally we were even in the same event. And just then I thought, oh, <laughs> oh bloody hell, uh, he could be pretty handy. And then obviously we jumped on that four stroke, which were an absolute pile yeah. of junk. We should have taken Honda name off it to start off with, and spent a couple of years developing that. And then Tony came to a HRC test in Spain, and he absolutely pummeled me and Fuji. Made us look average, and they were on my spare bike, which made it even worse as well. Um, so we knew we were coming, and we knew how good he was. But um, yeah, I know what it took to do twelve, and I was like, it's a hell of a amount of effort. So where he's gone is just you know another level. And what makes level. him so good, Doug? Yeah. You know, like what can you see? What what's I don't the know difference? really because when you go practicing and you watch Ragger and you watch him practicing, because obviously we sometimes ride together. Um, with everybody being in Catalonia pretty much. And you do, there don't look to be a massive difference, but it can, when he needs to perform, it can just switch it on. You know, he gets he gets five points in front in a world round and you know he's gone. As soon as he takes that little gap, that's probably a little bit in road racing, I suppose, isn't it? You see somebody get two or three seconds out and all of a sudden it's a different race then, isn't it? They're, yeah. they're on their own, they're controlling it and... And it's the same in trials, really. And he can do that. He very rarely makes mistakes. 
Um, he's, he's get he does get injured a little bit, a little bit now. He's having a, he's been having a few problems with his knee and things like that. Sort of the last twelve months, but even then he can ride around that fairly impressively. He's had a lot of back problems, but you can tell when he's injured. He's not the same rider, but he still manages to just grind it out. I've seen that stuff that he does when he's he does it with the you know the engine not running. His strength, yeah. he looks like he, he's just stronger than a lot of you know. Obviously, he's got all the finesse and the balance and the skill, but. He, he he muscles that bike around. He can hop it around, can't he? Like like yeah. Like, no, is he yeah, the best? Yeah, he at is that? massively strong. But it's they all are really. You know, right. the, the job's moved on. I mean, you know, you used to train a lot more physical training than what I did. Neil, I used to just ride my bike as much as I could. That was my training. Whereas now, you know, the cycling to training, they've got new people doing the nutrition. They've got people doing them the, all the the gym stuff and everything. Whereas, you know, I used to just do another hour on the bike. Whereas Things have moved on, hasn't it? It's in all the sports and them little gains here and there, and and he he must just have everything perfect, and yeah. you know Raga's chasing him, and then after that, that's where the difference is. Yeah, I've a, I've a question for you, Doug, I've, and I've never asked you this before. You've achieved all these world titles and the the Scottish, which is just explain what the Scottish event is. Well, Scottish Six Days is, you know, in the in in the UK we've got the Scott Trial, which is at the back end of the year, which is basically the first trial. You know, it's over a hundred years old, and the Scottish is a six-day trial that starts in Fort William, um, and it does a different loop of around hundred miles of pretty much, well, a fair bit on road, but mostly off-road on the moors. So it's basically a six-day trial. You know, thirty sections each day. It's normally between six and eight hours a day. Um, and it's like the pinnacle. If you were a club rider in in the world, the Scottish Six Days would be like the pinnacle of you know the the, the biggest event that you could probably yeah. ride. You know, if road racing was was your thing, then you know the TT is the pinnacle of that. Right. Yeah. And how many times uh, have you won that? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. And so <laughs> all all these bizarre achievements because it is like if like you said the pinnacle is if you could even actually come finish a, a Scottish six day you know you don't want to ride here you can't get round no no I'm not saying I'm going to do it no, no, no. But my, hey Doug put it Doug, away there's one thing we know I can't we know, ride trials, trials right. we know that no. no we know that um, but what's been for, like in racing I, I can look back at one victory and go that was the pinnacle that feeling that emotion what's been your number one out of all that success because there's been so much yeah, I, it's it's obviously that question that I, it's countless how many times I've been asked it, and my my best memories and things are like you know when I finished the last section in Czech Republic in '97 to take my first World Championship. You know that's that's your dream, isn't it, to be world yeah. champion? I mean, you know these are these coffee shop stories all coming back out. You know that's that's what what we trained for, and 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 all them weeks and months go down to literally you know, stuff that happens in a few minutes, you know, over the course of the day. And that's the biggest thing. And I think looking back now, when I got presented with my MBE, I didn't really know much. And my mum and dad were like, they were so proud of that, that they couldn't believe it. So at the time, it didn't mean as much as what it does now. But that sort of recognition for not a massive sport, which we're not, um, probably more so abroad than England, uh, but actual points, there isn't really any more uh, standout moments. Yeah, which is a really strange thing to say. It was. Yeah, it is. 
because I just loved all of it. I loved riding, you know. I'd, it was a lifestyle, just, though, wasn't it, Dougie? That's what it feels like to me. The way you're speaking of 50 events a year, I mean, that it was a lifestyle rather than a set start and finish all the time. It was just constant, like a like a nine to five almost. It, it, it was more it, than a nine to five. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It, it was weird because, you know, I've got more memories of, obviously when I did my book and everything, that was great because I really relived a lot of events that had sort of got lost. Whereas the stuff that I remember now is the things that I've done with Red Bull, you know, the, the places where I've been, I've ridden in the Maldives, in Sri Lanka, in India, in Qatar, in Kuwait, you know, all these places where I've managed to ride. I sort of have great memories of, you know, riding on the ice in the north of Finland under the Northern Lights and things. They were all, because it wasn't so focused, you mm. know, it felt like more of a bit of, of an expedition rather than a mission, whereas my events were a mission. I were a nightmare. Nobody could come near me because they were an absolute miserable bugger. I used to bollock everybody. And I was honestly, I was a right pain in the ass. It's weird because that's not you at all. No. That's not your personality. No. That's not the person I've known for 25 years. Yeah, but that's the, that's the competitor, isn't it, though, Neil? Yeah. Like, like yeah. I used to say about you when you raced, and I, I remember saying to you that you were an absolute git. When I was you yeah. know, trying to come up and interview you, was yeah, but he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we say, you, you still say that, Gav. Fair enough. So, so, Doug, right? So, all that success, give, give us an embarrassing story then. So, you've done, you know, you've achieved, we know what you've achieved. It's ridiculous. <laughs> What's the, oh my God, I was at this do and I had to wheelie over a car and I went over the handlebars. Have you had any of them moments? So, have you had loads of them moments? Uh, I've had a few bits, yeah. When we did a Nissan thing and I, I promised the uh, chief, uh, it was a commercial vehicle launch in, uh, in Malaga in Spain. I promised him that it was safe enough for me to jump over people. And uh, so, he did the first one and I landed straight on his arm. Oh, bloody no. believe it. And I was there for two weeks. Oh God! Oh, I've had a few of those. Oh, I've had a God. few. Of those. Dug a hole in the carpet at uh, Goodwood. I was about to say Goodwood. Did anything happen there? Because that's their famous one, riding on the roof there. Yeah, no, I've knocked a few bits off there. I rode. Uh, there was a Cartier take over the main lawn. They must have to work. Must cost them a few quid. It's beautiful, and there was a really ornate wall. And I've sort of been eyeing it up for a day or two during the show, and I thought, I'll bugger it, I'll jump onto that. And as I got onto the top of it, the whole thing collapsed, and I was laid in the rose garden. I was like. Oh, shit. <laughs> We could be in trouble now. <laughs> hey, Today, I wasn't bothered at all. Lord March, he wasn't bothered whatsoever. Obviously, now he's the Duke, but yeah, he wasn't bothered at all. Thought, oh, it, thought it was brilliant, brilliant which was great. But there's all did... sorts of stuff. I've been in you trouble did... now and again as well. With uh, Neil got me in trouble with police. Oh, forgot about that. Oh, oh my God. I, I Tell us the hey, We met page two. Only oh, was it page some two? poor bugger had been... Uh, Somebody, if somebody had lost their life, all the way would have been on the front page. Go on, tell them the story, Doug. Neil led me astray. No, wait, I did not. But it was. Go on. We used to go motocrossing to Derby all the time. In fact, a lot of the times we used to go with Steve Islop. Absolutely lovely bloke. We had some great days out riding. Neil used to frighten the life out of him driving up there in his Ducato van, flat out. <laughs> and then one time the, the gate was locked which was no problem because we've been there forever anyway we were with a, a, a local lad and he's like no problem drive down and there's a little bit of a spot we'll park there and we'll just ride around fence on beach which is literally what we did we shot down beach for a couple of hundred metres round fence and went on motocross track blast back up 
as we're getting closer to the van, I'm like, hey, there's somebody else here. Well, police van were there and the car blocking the entrance in. And uh, so I pulled up right casually. I didn't even think it were us that they're waiting for, but it definitely was. Uh, illegal riding on the beach. So Neil were trying to talk us out of it, which will just get us in more oh, and no, more trouble. I was trouble. about to say, I bet that would make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was. It was a bloody nightmare. And uh, he said, what do you do? And, and Neil said, company director. And he's going, no, you're not. You're a motorbike rider. I know who you are. And he went, no, I'm a company director. So and so and take your helmet off and do this. Oh, we were all the way home. We were like, who are we going to phone to help us get out of this? We had, oh, we had everybody. We got in trouble there, didn't we? Do, do you know what's annoying about it? It did, did bug me and Doug. We'd both done stuff for the police over the years of living there, gone out of our way. Obviously, for free, you'd never charge anyone, you, you know, thought, bike safe. And you thought that had sort of created a bit of a buffer, did you? Exactly. Oh, we definitely bike... thought we were getting away with it. Yeah, 100%. Bike safe campaigns, we'd done the lot. And, and don't get me wrong, if we'd have been riding on the beach, bear in mind, when we got back to the van, they read us our rights, which I'm like laughing going, oh my God, we've been arrested here. It's like ridiculous. So, but if we'd been flat out on the beach doing donuts and messing around and the, the quarters, you'd go, fair point. We'd literally gone in first gear down the side of this beach to get onto this motocross track. We'd rode for two hours and then rode back. We hadn't been messing around on the beach. So that's what annoyed us, you know, but... Yeah. We and the local every- lad didn't get done, did it? It was just us two. Yeah, there you go. Local lad who rode with us didn't get done. <laughs> but, but we pulled every string you can imagine. What was the fine? Was it about 700 quid? I think between us, yeah. We yeah. didn't go to court because we were going to get a picture taken or something like that. So, yeah, bloody your fault, that. Trials lad had got away with that under radar. But gosh, you were all flashing everything, road racer. Yeah, exactly. Got into a load of trouble. Sounds like hey, you got but, what you deserved, to be honest. Hey, lads. Doug, did you, did you hear when I, I made front page of, of the Isle of Man newspaper? Did you hear that? What one? have you done now? With McGuinness? No, 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 not that. Did no, oh, so, sorry, twice. Wait a second, so how I've been many on the times? Front... Wait a second. This has just become oh. a theme, Neil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not for success. Well, the, the, the McGuinness one was because on his stag do, we went on a load of pubs and we we ended up nicking a load of turnips from this oh, pub. I heard that. I heard that yeah. on, his, on your podcast. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that didn't go down well. That ended up front page. But um, this was the worst. Imagine this, right? So I'm living on the Isle of Man, I'm living in America, and I did an interview with like a, a website interview in America. I didn't think anything of it. And they said, What do you think of the TT? And I went, Oh, they're all a bit crazy. Not my cup of tea. But it was just a throwaway comment. Anyway, it ended up where it got, they heard about me saying this in the Isle of Man. So I'd, I'd come back to the Isle of Man to, to be with the kids and I'm driving down the road in my van and I go past the newsagents and you know the sandwich board outside yeah. the newsagents? It just, it just goes, I look, as I look at the headline, it just says, Hodgson slams TT. Oh, and I was, you and I, yeah. Literally, my head did like 180 degrees spin as I drove past. So I turned around. <laughs> So I parked up, went in, and I'm on the front page, and it's me. TT's too dangerous, shouldn't be allowed. Literally, people were going, if you don't like it, why do you live here? Piss off. Wow. That was a nightmare. That was a nightmare. Wow. I got, do you know, it got taken out of context. You know what it's like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, sure. it, was, it was a problem with That's the translation. That's bloody reporters, like yeah, you, yeah. Gav. Exactly. Uh, it was a tr- problem with the translation, was it, yeah? From the English to the English. Yeah, you're not getting no. that so easily, <laughs> 
like Doug just said, it's them bloody reporters like you, Gav. You, know. you needed that. a bit of diplomatic relations there, a bit like when Matt Roberts reversed onto that kid's scooter and Gav talked our way out of it by giving him a signed Carlos Jeppa t-shirt. <laughs> well, you know, that's the way you have to do these sorts of things. Hey, hey, worked hard, didn't it, Gav? We were on our way back down to the chicken shop for the tea and everything. Oh, super we're pollo. Done. You can't beat a bit of the super can't pollo. Can't beat it. Oh. Can't How beat come? It. How come Matt Roberts gets mentioned in nearly every podcast? <laughs> it's starting to do my head in his ears. You know, I'm not a massive fan, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm um, joking. I'm only jealous because I love Gav so much. He's, are, but he's he's Gav's first love, so, you know. I'm yeah, a, absolutely. I want to ask a, a question about the TT course, though, Dougie, and wheeling around it. And how... Uh, how? I was going to say, how did you do it? How did you say it? Oh. No, the word is just, how? How on earth? Yeah, well, it seemed like a really good idea at the time. Can you watch Obviously, just a question before Red you start Bull on it, Doug? Can you still watch yeah. it? Is it still available? Yes, yeah, it's still on Red Bull TV. Mm. And actually, there's a podcast about how to be superhuman that talks about it as well that we've done with Red Bull. And, Brilliant. Yeah, there's there's a documentary on Red Bull TV and, and it's called Dougie's Wheelie. You've got um, to watch that, by the way, ladies oh. and gentlemen. It's one of those, you'll watch it, I promise you, You'll be glued to the TV. So, so, it's fun. It's fantastic documentary. How how did you do it, Doug? Come on. How how? Um, it seemed like a really good idea at the time. You know, we get, you know, asked for new projects for Red Bull, and they've all got to be sort of your ideas. And I was thinking about what you wanted to do. Thinking about kickstart and stuff, like wheelies and jumps. Well, I can't jump anywhere. That is for sure. So I was like wheelies, but I was thinking like road race circuits and stuff like that. And then I was in London at head office with my manager and. Uh, with my manager Jake and we just we were talking and there were a big group of people and a few bosses there and it was like and somebody mentioned the TT probably Jake actually I'm going to say this sounds like I can just imagine oh, Jake me going too. and I was like yeah yeah I used to live there I said blooming long way though I don't know which bit you do and then this, I could just see everybody's eyes lighted up and I thought oh my god we're going to be going around the TT and I was like well yeah but I can't really yeah, well, uh, anyway, on the way home on the train, I was like, oh, God, my dad's going to love this. I remember getting back to my dad's as clear as day, and they said, right, how did you go? What are you doing? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm wheeling TT course. And he was like, what? You can't even wheel it to the end of my drive. And he was probably right. <laughs> and uh, he was right. I couldn't. And, uh, yeah, and no, obviously it was it got all the go ahead and everything. And then obviously dad were ill and, and he passed. And then, uh, so I sort of gave up for a couple of months and then yeah, beginning of June, I could wheelie 1.2 miles. We've got a screenshot on Strava of a 1.2 mile. And that as far as I'd gone. So I tried to get out of the project. Everything had sort of gone wrong, but anyway, uh, we sort of canceled everything and put a gyro front wheel on like what Dave Taylor had used. And we were in touch with his family and we'd had a look at his bikes and things like that. So, yeah, so we got there and yeah, it was 50-50 to do it, definitely. I'd wheeled distance at Cadwell and at Croft and that was the only times I'd wheeled distance before it. But obviously they're flat circuits. They're not a rolling road block or anything like that, like what we had in the Isle of Man. And uh, yeah, it was one of those uh, crazy moments of, yeah, our 37 minutes wheeling with a heart, heart rate of about a million. Um and yeah, I'll never put myself under that pressure again. <laughs> tell us about tell us about then, because obviously I know the TT course really well. And for those who of you that don't, believe it or not, the trickiest section probably to wheelie is the last half a mile because you go 
come like down a hill and go around a really tight hairpin called Governor's Bridge. Yeah. What yeah. were you and thinking about that? Because uh, we went the, you know, the like the, let's say the proper circuits. Yeah. You know, and obviously the road's just a little bit changed there now, so it makes it tighter. But you know, as as as, as bikers well know, you know, if you're wheeling, you don't change down gears. It's like a fundamental thing, and I had to change down two gears to go around those last two hairpins. And to be honest, I got them absolutely perfect. And uh, I'd been over and had a sneaky wheelie in the night um, <laughs> a few months before, and I'd got it quite a few times, but I'd had some real waywards where I couldn't get it to turn because I was roundabouts a bit dished. So it was really strange trying to force it to turn and. Um, yeah, on the actual wheelie, I came out of there and the the plan in all the planning, I was supposed to go back up to two gears to regain like my usual twenty twenty one mile an hour, twenty two mile an hour to the finish. But my legs were shaking that much, I couldn't lift it back off the thing. They were like, you know, it was absolutely killing me. So uh, yeah, so I rode at about thirteen mile an hour to the finish line. So yeah, yeah. what do they do? What do they do it in now? Sixteen, seventeen minutes, and I'm one hour thirty seven. So. I've, got a bit of time on my hands there that was yeah, i can imagine that being an absolute killer on the legs i think i keep getting up in the middle of the night to wheelie anyway it happens when you get older apparently <laughs> but with all that one of the things gav i've got to say and I, I feel slightly embarrassed to say this right but i've done it you know it's not i didn't make a big fuss about it wheeling around the tt course i've done it a few times oh, hey loads it's, of people it, have done it oh then sofa warriors on, on the internet there's loads of them that's why i'm saying it because believe it or not doug's got like a bit of shit off people going it's not that difficult to do you know it's not that like, difficult You're i've got a mate who can wheel in you know like brilliant i love that the i love key, it the keyboard <laughs> champion um, I've, exactly. got to, I've got to ask one thing, uh, Doug, about what you've been up to before all this lockdown happened, um, and that was going out to Africa and the two wheels for life in Lesotho. What were you doing out there? Oh, yeah, that was amazing. You know, like you say about the, the things where bikes take you and uh, and all these opportunities. And for years and years, I've always done the Day of Champions before mm. the Silverstone Motor GP. Normally Neil, well, not normally. Sometimes Neil has time to, to see me, to, and we have a we have a we have a we have a greasy cheeseburger actually from the old butty van. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've done stuff for them for years and years, and it's it's been mentioned quite a few times. And um, and obviously Andrea Coleman's been been such a big part of that from the beginning. And she said, you know, it's the terrain's getting worse and worse out there. You know, I think it'd be incredible for you to come and you know teach the riders and maybe show them and. And then the dates come up and it was possible and went with a few people from Dorna. And uh, fortunately, we've got a Vertigo importer there. So I got somebody to take a bike down so I could show them what I did. Spent a few days with them training. Um, and we got them to quite a few like very remote places. You know, we had to wait two hours for the river to come down in one place. So we could get back. I thought it was camping out, but. The job they do is absolutely amazing. You know, a lot of people have heard for Two Wheels for Life and a lot of people have supported them. But when I actually got there and saw their setup and how many people are out riding and taking supplies and tests, you know, and massive HIV problem over there. And it was unbelievable to be part of and to be part of. So, uh, yeah, I know you've done stuff for them as well in the past and... Well, yeah, what a fantastic now, charity. I expect now with all this coronavirus, actually, it's going to be one of those things, not just there, but in a lot of the other 
places around Africa that's going to be crucial, aren't they? Soon with tests oh, absolutely. and getting, getting out to remote areas. Yeah, the places where we got to was was unbelievable. I mean, literally, they are trials riders without even knowing about trials. Really. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. You know, where you're off pushing it and things like that. And the bikes are great and the backup and the assistance they've got and the support, you know, absolutely amazing what they've done over the years and continue to do. And, yeah, it was just really nice to see it because, obviously, you support some things yeah. and you think you understand what it's all about. But that was another level. It was, uh, oh, I'll definitely be going back. It was amazing. Well, that's good to hear. Well, it's all those people who, a lot of people who listen to this podcast and have come to Day and Champions and maybe bought something at the auction or, you know, seen you guys on stage and, and thought, oh, yeah, I've heard about it, but not necessarily know what it's doing. So that's good. That's good to know. But I knew you'd done it. So uh, uh, that's great to hear that you enjoyed it and that oh, you, you got to teach yeah, people something as well, got to give something back as well. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And I loved every moment of it. Hey, Doug, tell us you've got, because it's, it's our podcast, so we can do what we want. Tell us about this, the gin. I believe uh, Nicola, your wife, is. Um, getting into doing making a bit of gin isn't she what's the story yeah we're gonna have um we're gonna have a, a distillery together with two other couples um it's mainly the girls that was doing it obviously like i said we're, i've been um with nicola since 99 1999 so you know she sort of followed me around everywhere and Do you know what i like about nicola Gavin, lived so in you know. all these different places and she's, and all she's not into, she's nicola's not really into bikes is she no, I love that. I love no, no, no. She's a school teacher. She used to follow me around the world championship on a scooter. That's yeah. about as far as it's got. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was dead keen to do the the gender and I was like, everybody's doing it. And then six months later, she was still really keen. And I've thought about doing this and this. And yeah, it's all gone house. So the the still comes in about well less than a month now. And, uh, and where yeah, you do it from? Do. Your place, yeah. There's some outbuildings that we've got on our on our land, and it's out of there. Yeah, it's called Otterbeck Distillery, and the gin's called Cotton Gin because the the big mill and water wheel here at home um, used to be a cotton and silk mill. So that's with the connection and and the the stream that runs past the river runs past is called Otterbeck. So oh, cool. I know you're doing it with. Is it um, what's he called? Or can you not say? Uh, it's two, well, the other two girls, yeah, no, one of the couples was a, um, Il, they founded Ilkley Brewery for the beer and everything. Oh, right. And then um, there, there's a, yeah, the house and family as well and the other couple. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the girls are absolutely flat out on it. You know, they're just starting up with the social media now. So you Brilliant. can give them a little plug, Neil. Good lad. Oh, oh, hey, well, well, you, well, there we are. You know it's, our, it's our first sponsor. I know he's got to want a bottle of gin out. I know where it's going. <laughs> you know where I, it's going. I love gin. Gin's one of my favourite drinks. So, yeah. It's nice. And we've got a lot of friends helping us with it, you know, and stuff like that, which is great. And, yeah, I'll help you cotton gin. <laughs> cotton gin, you're on it. Well done, Neil. I didn't even give you a push for that, did he? You know me so well. No, you didn't well. give me a well push. Done. I'll be on BT Sports with uh, somebody you'll see me with going, what's that on your hat? Have you noticed Michael Laverty, um, Colin Edwards, they all wear they wear baseball caps. I'm going to have the cotton gin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to cost me this, Gav, I can tell oh, already. Oh, dear me. Gav, get the invoice, invoice cotton, to be cotton gin. <laughs> cotton gin. <laughs> the first gas it out sponsor. That's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be in trouble now with authorities for advertising. That, yeah, Gav. well, exactly. Right, that's right. Um, that's what we should do then, Gav. We should try and get sponsors. <laughs> Just stuff like we want, like that. That's like that's a perfect sponsor, isn't it? What? Oh, I'm telling you. 
Gavi, we need his moisturiser and everything, won't we, Gavi? He'll be straight on to L'Oreal. He'll be straight on to L'Oreal. Shut it. I'll tell you what's on. Cronenberg, though. a lovely beer. That's my favourite. Anyone from Cronenberg listening to this? You can't drink enough beer to drink stuff as strong as that. You stick with gentle stuff. Exactly. You go with the light, the light beer. You've not got any better. I have. I'm actually all right now at drinking. I used to be terrible. When me and Doug would go out, Gavin, the Isle of Man, it, it was always a mess, wasn't it? Oh, we had some fun. Oh, God. God, but, we couldn't even say half the stories, what happened there. But but Doug would always be, like, the sensible one. He'd be like, right, get home now. Come on. Yeah. Come on, you've had enough. So when you wake up in the morning, your hands are filthy, and, and like, you've got a hole in your jeans on your knee, and it's full and muddy, and you're thinking... We only live on end at promenade. Where have we been? <laughs> yeah. But also, uh, Neil, you say sensible one. No, no, no. It's not about being the sensible one. It's about being the one who's still uh, capable at that time. It's well, not yeah, about that's. Being sensible. I always say the same to Matt Roberts because I'd have the same. I'd be carrying him left, right, and centre. He'd be asleep or whatever. And it's like, no, no, can just take it. Can just take it more than. Uh, can just take new it. New lightweights. Have you uh, got? Yeah. Have you uh, fired up any? Um, Big questions, because I'm not sure we've had any enough uh, hard-hitting uh, questions to... Uh, oh, you've been so pretty far. gentle with me, actually. It's because I've yes. been waffling on that much. It, no, it's fun, chance. funny you should ask that, Gav, because I have prepared some questions for the quickfire round, um, which is, you've obviously listened to a few podcasts, you know, yep. this is that... It's highlight. supposed to be one word, but they never seem to be one word. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But it's, it's the highlight, and it, this is where... I feel like this is where people at home really get to know Douglas Lampkin. So, right. first question. Obviously, you're a Yorkshire man. I, I want to know, are you a lager drinker or a bitter drinker? Oh, lager. I can't stand bitter. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I, I know everybody is. I'm a little bit disappointed I, I don't like that. bitter I don't, oh. I don't like oh. it at all. See, I no. like, I've tried. When you mention tried Ilkley Brewery, you see, that sort of gets me, uh, that gets me excited for a drink, that does. Hey, yeah, yeah. Gav, oh, yeah, another potential right, sponsor. Yeah. Well, I love all my local breweries, me. All the ones around here. Shall I, shall I go around naming them? Name them, them, Gav. Name well. them. You two are doing all right so far. Anyway, question two. Right, question two. Rossi or Marquez? Ooh, that's a good one, isn't it? It's a scary one to answer that because you're going to be. You've asked me that it. because I'm like knobbly tyres, and it, you know you slick boys don't like knobbly tyres anyway. That you think you can get away <laughs> with asking me that. Go on. Uh, I'm going. I'm still going Rossi because he's my era, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think when he jumped off and jumped onto that Yamaha and everything, I think there were a bit of sniggering going on in the old Honda world. And I think when uh, when he smoked him in that, was it first race where he smoked yeah, him in? South uh, Africa, 2004, yeah. And sat, and sat in front, sat on his bike in front at wheel and just give it a little kiss. I yeah. just thought, oof, yeah, yeah, I like that. You know how much that will have hurt <laughs> yeah. at Honda. Yeah, that hurts. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty incredible where you jump where, at that level where you jump to another team and you can still perform. Um, basically, straight out of the box. Hey, up, dog's gone hey, up. now. Oji, quiet and down. Oji, quiet and down now. <laughs> right, next question. Um, fish and the, sorry, the dog's a Marcus fan. That's all I'm saying. Right, sorry, yeah, dog's on, obviously man. not keen with answer. Uh, fish and chips or Indian, Douglas? Oh, now that's a tricky one because we've only got one takeaway and it's an Indian, it's a belter. But fish and chips are good as well. Now, nah, fish and chips. We've got a chippy ride, haven't we? We go riders pushbacks and then go and have fish and chips afterwards on a Thursday. Although right. I have been MIA for a little bit on that. Uh, yeah, I'm going fish and chips. Fish and chips. Right. You've, um, as a trials rider, you've ridden with a lot of the road race guys because all the road race guys fancy the chances of being trials riders. I'm openly admitting I know I'm absolutely crap. 
of all the right road race guys you've ridden with, who's the best trials rider? Best trials rider from road racing will be James Whittam. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you who's blooming good on a bike, and we've ridden with him a lot, and I've got a really quick story, which I'm going to have to tell you, because it's Kevin Schwantz. Really? Oh, you bloody name Fan- dropper. <laughs> bloody <laughs> name dropper. Get that off bike. the floor for you. So, we're in America. Quick story for you. Like John McGuinness, off-paced again. <laughs> we're in America. This, my dad's admitted at the end, he said, the bloody bloke's done my heading on that last lap. We're short on time going up this big river, pushing like hell to get in, and there's a bloke wants to talk to my dad. My dad's getting rid of him, getting rid of him. Anyway, my dad's gone. I was that pissed off with him. I told him to come to Paddock at end, tell him I ain't got time. I'm a bloody busy man. Anyway, literally five minutes later, this bloke walks up, shakes me hand, and I said, all right, Kevin, how are you doing? Nice to see you. And everything. my dad went, oh, shit, mate, I'm sorry. <laughs> My dad had been trying to shake off Kevin Swans for a full lap round, world round. <laughs> oh, my God. Golden. Absolute golden. But yeah, I can, just, was, the, I can uh, imagine your dad. There's quite a few good. There's quite a few good lads. Yeah. Uh, you know, Leon Aslan rides well and everything yeah. now. So, But there's a lot of people with bikes, you know, trials bikes. It's weird. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that Sebastian Loeb's doing a thing, riding his trials bike around his garden in France at the moment on for Facebook and all stuff like that. It's, like you say, everyone's had a go on the trials, but there's a lot, a lot that are crap. Not as crap as you, Neil, but... No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, last question, and obviously this is the main question. We always have, we like a like, slow build-up. It's like a, we've gone through the starters, you know, but now this is the main event. I know you watch BT Sport. You love your MotoGP. Who's your favourite BT Sport pundit? Such a fool. <laughs> yeah, just you can think. Hey, Neil, I'm going to say you, Neil. Oh, I'm going to say you, Neil. That, that plug on the cotton gin, it just tipped, Gav, honestly, it just knocked you in at second place. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but if it, it wasn't for that, yes. if it wasn't for that. If it weren't for that, I, I don't know which way I'd have gone. But to be I, fair, he just noticed you there a little bit. What know, I love just... is, Gav, the Yorkshireman in Doug. I, I could buy him, you see, with that plug for the cotton gin. I bought Doug. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Brilliant. I told you I'm a greedy bugger. Can't help I lo- it. Love it. Uh, Made my day. Yes. Nick will be saying that's all going into a private account. Nothing to do with you. Don't you worry about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry, Gav. I'll phone you back later and tell you it with you. It's just to make him. I told you, salt like hell. Yeah, exactly. Sunk he needs like it. Hell. He needs it. That's all. My that, work that here. My needed. work here is done now. My work here is done. <laughs> well, well, Doug, thank you so much for joining us. I have to say, it's uh, been a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, great to have another Yorkshireman on here and uh, showing the Lancastrians how it's done. And uh, hopefully we get to see you very soon when all this lockdown is over. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll be coming to watch the old slick tyres sometime racing about. And yeah, hopefully see you at Silverstone. Fingers crossed. Yeah, let's hope it all happens. Uh, we're not sure what's happening on that front anyway, are we? Uh, no. But Dougie, cheers for joining us. We do appreciate it early on a Saturday No worries, morning. It's nice to speak to you. You Thank take you care of yourself. Stay safe, Send- everybody. Send the family, send uh, Alfie Fraser and Nicola all my love, will you? Oh, they're, they're ready to go out on the bikes as we speak, so you're holding the job up now. Right. Well, take right. care and hopefully see you soon, mate. Will do, mate. Thanks very much. Stay all safe, right. everybody. Cheers. Cheers, Doug. Bye.
I can't believe all these uh, world champions. I don't know how many world champions we've had on now, Neil, with that, with an extra 12 there from from Doug. Andy's, we'll go in for the Trial of Nations as well. They count as well, so that's another. But we're having we're racking up the world championships, but still, some are, or we're racking up the, the wins anyway, uh, world-level wins. Um, but still, Neil, they still fall for your ridiculous questions. <laughs> it's like... We have such a good chat, and then I just have to spoil it every time, don't I? At the end. Every blooming time. Don't get grumpy. He said me. Just deal with that. Yeah. Just remember, though, if you want to buy any gin, cotton gin, I've heard, really good. <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to trying it, all joking apart. So to be, uh, we'll be getting a bottle of that, Dad, won't we? Yeah. Um, so, um, Doug, what an absolute legend. Down to earth, straight talking, as exactly as you, uh, as you said. And uh, you do, do forget. He was the dominant force in trial, which isn't the most well-known motorcycle discipline in this country, but the dominant force for years. Yeah, for well over a decade. But I, I, that the, there's always a few bits in all these podcasts we do that make me smile, and I love that bit where it's like, oh, I didn't realise that you didn't like the racing, or mm. you know, was worried about it. The bit that he likes is what the bit that most people hate. But the only reason he liked it, like I said at the time, was. Because he's bloody Dougie Lampkin. It's like, can you imagine competing him against through the, that, that decade where literally, you know, you, you, the fight is for second because Dougie Lampkin's turned up because he, he was that good. He was that much better than everybody. Incredible. Yeah, and still keeping himself busy. Really good. To, uh, honestly, if you mention the name Lampkin, though, because obviously the people in generation before us that have known his dad or known his uncle Arthur but people yeah. said to me Uncle Arthur as well when he mentioned the Lampkin name so yeah it's synonymous with trial in this well, country also his dad Martin a lot of people forget how good he was yeah. because he's, he was the because, first world trial champion wasn't he yeah and a lot of it is because Arthur was um, Doug's um, uncle but he was like more famous, and I think a lot of people got confused thinking that Arthur was Doug's was dad Doug's and dad. all yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but Martin was an an incredible guy, and uh, and and like everyone's parents, pay, play a massive part in mm. their sons or daughters' success. But maybe even but, more. For I was going to say, he's just, well, Martin was, he was there. his minder. Yeah, it was his, his minder, and a, a minder is such an important role for a trials rider. He's your right hand man. He stood there in every section explaining. Where to go? Where to put the, your wheels? They, they were, that, there were rumours recently. You know, they were trying to get rid of the spotters, weren't they? they I were, didn't know they, that. Yeah, I've they were talking that, about yeah. that that change in the rules. But obviously, all the trial riders said no. It's it's an integral part for safety. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the, the, a binder also is a catcher as well. They end up yeah, catching exactly. the bike sometimes and saving the rider. And that that relationship is so important in trials, but. It's rare to see a father and son yeah. relationship work because because it was ten years, well, or well longer. And normally, because you're travelling around together, you end up getting on each other's nerves so much. But I never saw that that mutual respect was 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 something really special. And in road racing, how many father son uh, systems like that have worked and been successful over the years? The amount of times when we talk about uh, fathers on site of young kids, and you think it's not right going to have to stop the father coming sooner rather than later because it's not going to work. More often than not, it doesn't work. You look at your Lorenzo's or Casey Stoner, they had issues that throughout his career. With, yeah. yeah, which it's it's sad to see that. So, But it's the ones where the father takes the back seat and I'm talking whether it's Mark Marquez, Valentino Rossi and they're there. They're all, they're all key in the careers. The parents are still part of it. 
but they're happy to let someone else do the coaching. Happy to let yeah. someone else. But in, in Doug's case, it was such an integral part with Martin, wasn't it? So uh, anyway, lovely yeah. to speak to him uh, as well. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, hearing from Doug. Um, what have you got lined up? We've got the greatest race on, but this will probably be going out after we've seen that. But the final will be coming up. We don't know which is going to join um, the, the other three in there. I'm looking forward to that, the last one, because what we're going to do in it um, on BT Sport, this is, um, picking the greatest race, the MotoGP era. We're going to show all the ones that just missed out. And I think we've got about 20 of them. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Not in Not their that... entirety. No, but like the highlights of... Yeah. The best we bits. could have chose this race. Exactly. We could have chose it. Yeah, and you go to all of them and you go, "Oh, we could have gone with that, actually. Oh, we could have gone with that." What's been interesting about doing it though, the viewing figures have been brilliant, haven't they? And it, it just shows that bike fans on a Sunday want to watch some fantastic bike racing, and we're lucky because over the past twenty years we've had unbelievable races in MotoGP. So don't miss out on that. And Ten we're, o'clock. We're hoping BT Sport we can, One. We're hoping to continue after this, not with the greatest race. Uh, we're talking about doing the greatest seasons, and we're going to go yeah. maybe right back to the 500s as well, the earliest oh. that we can get footage for. Fingers crossed. Um, hasn't all been signed off yet, so I better not say anything about it, but I already have, so it's too late. Sue me. Uh, right, Neil, <laughs> I'm going to let you go now because uh, right. we've got lots of prep to do for this weekend. Um, yeah. You keep cooking. Okay. Will do. I want some photos of uh, some of the, the dishes that you're churning I'll, out. I'll and send you, don't I'll dare send, you a send me any of Vic's, because I reckon it's no, all Vic anyway. I'm going to send you a picture of the scallops I did last night, and you'll be impressed. I, I made a Spanish omelette, and it was just like out of a tapas bar in Spain. So I was a bit chuffed with what, that this week. What? Like what? There were fl- like flies on it, and it had gone off. Oh, God. Then we're not going to have the tapas chat here. No, right. we'll have, I want we'll comments. If you, if, you love, if you love tapas, uh, let us know, okay? If you don't, if you think they're wrong and evil, uh, do let us know as well. But I think you're going to be in the minority. Uh, right, Neil, <laughs> that, that, this is a conversation we have had on many an occasion. Uh, but so, Gab, quickly, two things I'm going to say before I go. Go on. Cotton gin and... Oh, God. I love you, mum. Uh, right, let's see you later on, Neil. Take care. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye. going on it's <laughs> not happening she's called me an she's called me an asshole since when has it been american asshole it's arse actually arsehole let's get it correct so wait a yeah. second she was she was in your office she, what was going on there exactly annoyingly i never said she'd gone downstairs to make me a brew she's come back up and then like wanted to actually drink her brew next some like whilst I'm drinking mine, whilst in I'm in office. my office, obviously, sat on my bed. <laughs> so basically, she's just tried to come back for a nice cup of tea in bed on a Saturday morning. Yeah, like a normal person. <laughs> and then you rang, obviously you're on silent, and I just looked at her and went, oh, I'm just doing a Skype call. And she went, oh no, not now. <laughs> so yeah. You know what it's like, I'm sure you get the same off Kate. Uh, no, because I go up to my office. To my, I'm, I'm banished to the attic. Are you banished to the attic? But I don't have the um, the sound dampening of a duvet. So uh, duvet. 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 Du- duvet. Duvet. Uh, let me just um, yeah. get my notes up for Monsieur Douglas Lambakin. Damp squids, as I used to call him. M B E. I know. I know. Met the Queen. Did he? Was it the Queen? What on a his man! Day? 
What a man. What, the Queen? <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, let me have a look. Oh, right. she now wants me to close the door. Like, I've got I've got everything oh. set up. I've got my iPad balance. Oh. Taking liberties. Bear in mind, I made a breakfast <clears throat> in bed, Gav. What did you make? Oh, Top my God. Cereal. <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> I made a, the best sausage sandwich. I'm a, on a, honestly, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a connoisseur when it comes to that. Marks and Spencer's Cumberland sausage. Oh, oh, we just got God. some Cumberland sausage rings this week. We almost oh. had sausage and mash last night, but it turned into uh, a jacket potato with homemade slaw. What? You had jacket potato and coleslaw? It wasn't coleslaw. It was like a homemade... I make I make my own. It was cabbage, apple and carrot and cumin. It's actually really nice. But it's obviously got no mayonnaise. What, no anyway. protein? <clears throat> that was what we had last night, yeah. Oh, we had tuna. No we, had a, pro- we had tuna. All right, all right, right, right. Okay. Do you want to know what we had last night? Go on. That I made? Are you recording this? Because people need to know. Go on, yeah. Right, well... We had scallops with pea puree, black pudding, and get ready for this, pancetta shards. Where on earth have you commandeered that during yeah. lockdown? Like yeah. I can find well, a blooming pint of milk round the corner. Vic went to Waitrose and they got some lovely big scallops, but they had the raw on, which I don't like, so we cut them off. They just, I don't know what's that raw just is intimidating. That orange thing, it's like it's penis in it, it's just horrible. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it is in it. It's like it's, it's eggs, isn't oh. it? Yeah, whatever. Well, exactly, whatever. It's weird, so we cut that off. I even, um, like did a hexagonal sort of crosses on top of the scallops because I've seen the chefs do that. You should, honestly, Gav. Scallops were cooked to perfection. Black pudding had a crispy edge, but soft on the inside. Pea puree, stunning. And then I got the pancetta and crisped it up and made them into these shards. So wait, oh my you're God. saying you did this? Yes. And it was 10 out of 10. Okay, I didn't make the pea puree. There's no point. In, I'm not going to fall on lie. A, was it a tin of bachelor's mushy peas? No. Um, no, Vic, Vic does... Official sponsors of the British Superbike Championship. She did... Uh, <laughs> She did them in a blender. But I'm getting into cooking. This is lockdown for, for you. What yeah, do you do? Are you going to be on Celebrity MasterChef? Wait a second. So we've had King Carl in the jungle. Um, oh. who, someone else did a, who did the, another celebrity programme. Someone did one. JT won you Superstars. Did, yeah, JT won Superstars. I'll tell you what. I keep saying this. How many times have I said this? You've heard me say it. 100% JT for um, dancing... What is it? And the dancing, dancing program, or strictly? No, strictly not dancing. Come, like, strict, strictly, strictly, yeah, strictly. Dancing, yeah. JT is such a machine, and he's so determined. And you could say to JT, well, he's musical like, as well, isn't he? So, exactly. Learn how to dance, JT, and he would. So I reckon that we should we should start it. You've heard it here first. We should start that JT for strictly come dancing. And I'm going to put it even. I'm going to put this out there. If he gets on, he'll win it. There you right, go. Well, we need to start a campaign. We're going to have to get JT on here soon. We'll get JT on it and we'll do that. We'll we'll get we'll well I've had the conversation. Oh, and, and, and every time I mention it to him, he looks confused. But why would I do that? But yeah, you know, yeah. he, you know I, he'd triumph on it, don't you? Well, he'd do well, and it would. It um, I think it'd give him a new career. I reckon he could do something along those lines. Not being a professional dancer, but you know what it's like. People go on strictly, and then it opens up other avenues. 
Mm. Like you never know, he could he could really get to the lofty heights of doing his own podcast like we are. Yeah, I mean, we've made it. Uh, gas, gas it out. Do you know what I just thought gas. back actually uh, about what? this podcast, Neil? Um, we've mm. been doing it for less than a month now. In fact, our first podcast out went went out. I can't remember this. I can't remember it. It's, it seems like years ago, but it went out on the first day of lockdown. For anyone who has made it this far into the podcast, well done to you, first of all, for making it all the way through. Uh, but I just want to do a quick apology. I'm uh, adding this as we we're about to put this episode up um, about Sam Lowe's um, episode on Spotify. Um, there was a problem with the upload. Spotify takes the feed straight away. So there's only a 16 minute episode on Spotify. Same happened on YouTube. Um, I've got rid of the YouTube one. I can't control the Spotify one. So I do apologise if you do listen on Spotify. Um, I've tried to get them to refresh it and all these sorts of things. So hopefully it will be updated soon. You can still listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google. Uh, listen to it through your browser at gasitout.podbean.com and Acast, Overcast, all the usual nonsense. So again, sorry about that. Bye.